0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. All right, we're back. We are back. Kevin's Corner Report Day from Colts Training Camp 2022. Chris Presley across the way. I am Kevin Bowen. We did our show this morning. Kevin Aquari from Grand Park. Good to get back up there. Immaculate facilities. And the grass looks Augusta National-like from the Westfield facility. The first practice tomorrow. Um, Change in schedule this year. We'll touch on that, the reasons behind that. I think I've kind of hinted at that. And it was confirmed today from Chris Bauer, a little reasoning behind that. Uh, But a whole lot to unpack on this, uh, Kevin's Corner will also do position battles to keep an eye on as well. Twitter questions, and I'd say probably one of the meatier podcasts we've had in a while. Chris Presley, good Tuesday afternoon to you.
1: Good Tuesday afternoon to you. Yeah, it's exciting uh, just looking through, you know, once we're in the dog days of summer and we're getting close to training camp, we've had some of some of our podcasts, you know, 35 minutes, 45 minutes. This one will be kind of back to the standard because not only position battles like you mentioned in Twitter questions, but Chris Ballard also addressed you guys, and we're getting there. It'll be we fun, are, to, man. It'll be fun to see the first practice tomorrow.
0: You know, um, I'm doing a fantasy football draft as we talk. Okay. Um, Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr?
1: Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: You're talking to the worst player in fantasy football history. So Derek I'm, Carr has,
1: has better position players, but until Aaron Rodgers proves me wrong, okay, did you see his entrance into camp today? I,
0: I did. That looked uh, <laughs> impressive. I hope my wife doesn't see it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you think that's the pick? You'd go Rodgers there.
1: Or What round are you in? Uh, I
0: don't freaking know. I don't know. The 10th, ninth. 9th, I, I don't know. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I need a quarterback at this point. All right. Yes. P- pick is made. Uh, sleeper app. I'm doing this with some Colts uh I don't know, just a bunch of like cult content people, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit of everybody in this group. It's kind of fun. I, I I like this. It's like a you basically just draft when you want to. You know, you got like four hours of draft. Just kind of a really? continuous draft. So, you know, if you're by your phone, oh you're like, Oh yeah, I'm up. <laughs> I should pick. Um so yeah, there we go. Uh fantasy football season as well. We should do a league again. We can yeah. start that up uh here in a few weeks. Um, Okay, Uh, sorry about that. I I lost train of thought, which typically happens early in the podcast. Uh, Report day, uh, practice again Wednesday and Thursday at noon. Friday's an off day. Saturday, they'll get back on the practice field for a night session at Grand Park. I can't recall maybe one other night session, so that should be a pretty good turnout. Only two weekend days when they're out there, so not a lot of weekend times to see them. Uh, But nonetheless, they'll be up there for about a month. And like I said, we've got a lot of news items to get to. So if you're ready, Mr. Presley, um, I guess I'll let you lead us first. What kind of caught your eye and uh, what Chris Boward said?
1: Well, and we'll talk about it even more in depth with Twitter questions, but people obviously still want to know about the, you know, our wide receiver core. Do we have any discussion with T.Y. Hilton? Have we been in discussion with Julio Jones? Has that just been a rumor what yeah. has he said? What has he said to that?
0: Yeah, you no. Know, um, it sounds like there are still some veteran wideout discussions now. Of course, after he said that, they signed two wideouts. Ironically enough, these two names, Chris, immediately become the oldest wideouts in your room: John Hurst, yep, Isaiah Ford. Had had heard of Isaiah Ford, John Hurst. I uh, yeah, I got nothing, man. I got you know. Absolutely nothing um, off and on the Bucks practice squad. Isaiah Ford does have 63 catches in his NFL career I'm at 26 years old. Again, he is the oldest in that out room. Um, I, I would like to think, and I do believe Ballard is referencing, maybe they're having discussions on you know a little bit more of a resume than these two guys. A um, m- couple of thoughts I have on this, Chris it's July 26th and we're still having these discussions. At some point, when does that give you the answer that you need? If you're still having these discussions, that's probably a good indicator that you don't feel very confident in that room. And there's reason for you not to feel confident. I think the Mike Strawn injury plays into that. You know, Mike Strawn had knee procedure back late in the offseason program. He did not participate in those sessions. And, Um, This is a guy that sounds like he's going to miss a bit of time. And the hope is he will be out there at the end of training camp or, you know, as they get deeper into Grand Park. Again, that hope is what, you know, uh, let's say he gets out there for the final week at Grand Park. And I'm just throwing out a date August 23rd. Chris, that leaves one, two weeks of practice and one preseason game before you make roster cuts. Well, hell, actually. Yeah, just one week of practice and a preseason game before roster cuts on August 30th down to 53. So that's not good for Mike Strong. We can hit on that later um, for him. But, you know, he's a guy that, you know, back in February, March, you probably thought, okay, maybe he's your fourth wideout or something along those lines there. Now, obviously, he's going to have an uphill battle. T.Y. Hilton and Julio Jones. Julio Jones, Chris Bauer is very adamant. The reports are wrong. Uh, they do not have interest, I believe, He said in past tense, like they've never really had interest in Julio. T.Y. Hilton, he claims that discussions are still ongoing um, and that he is still on the table. So uh, I am more T.Y. than Julio, if you're going to break it down to those two. I think I've mentioned this before, Chris, but I would like to see a diversification of skill sets in a wide receiver room. You know, if I look at the Colts' wideouts right now, I just see 19 power forwards in Paris Campbell. I guess Kiki Kuti. Like I, you know, shiftier, create separation, those types of guys really come in handy and very important when corners try to get grabby and all of a sudden they get called for a couple. Those guys can create separation a little bit easier. Um, yeah, I thought my my co-host Jake Query this morning, he asked Zaire Franklin, who he had on air, you know, what's like the position group? He asked Zaire Franklin and Naheem Hines, both of these guys, similar questions. I'm like, okay, what's the position group that you're watching? You know, and it's a great question. In my mind, I'm thinking to myself, these guys aren't going to answer it in an honest manner. And I don't think Hines necessarily did, but Franklin's like, I'm watching the wideouts. Man, if we get three <laughs> all pros in that room, we're going to be really good. And I'm thinking to myself, when the linebacker is watching the wideouts again, Everyone knows that wide receiver is the problem, is the elephant in the room, is the question mark. Uh, Ballard does not feel like the Colts are in desperation mode. There, he referenced, uh, you know, he referenced he feels like Pittman's being a bit overlooked. Ashton Doolin's a name he threw out there. Desmond Patman, kind of like it's his time, Uh, and then Naheem Hines, obviously impacting things in the receiving game as well. So, I guess that's where things stand at wideout. Some, some discussions, TY potentially, Julia Jones, no, and Michael Pittman better not get hurt. Yeah, That's my two cents on it. Uh, he's the most indispensable cult, as I said on last week's podcast, and a week later, I only feel more confident about that.
1: Well, another elephant in the room, and I'm sure most people know by now, but if not, if you're driving home or if you live overseas and haven't followed anything on Twitter as of today, um, Shaquille... Leonard, Darius is yeah. going by his middle name now, right. and what do we think, not only about the name, which yeah. you and I both really don't care one way or the other, if a guy wants to be called a name, sure, call him that, but what's the timetable on his injury?
0: Well, let's start with the name, because uh, Kevin and Maddie Bowen are currently, boy, we are uh, struggling to find a boy or a girl name for a, a pending child here in September, um, so I'm going to throw Shaquille at her tonight. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, Shaq, I I believe Darius mentioned that as well. You can shorten it. Uh, He mentioned Maniac in D. So he gave us some options to go with here. But yes, feels like now that he's more established in the NFL, he didn't want to necessarily do this early on in his career. uh, But this is something that um, he's decided to go with. And Um, I have heard people call him Shaq, and and certainly uh, D. Leonard, I I think, is a little bit more popular. That's Zaire Franklin mentioned that's what he calls him. So, uh, how many times will I call him Darius Leonard on this podcast, in my stories, and on radio in the next six months? Probably set the over under about 232. Yeah. So, we'll see if um, I I can overcome that there. Yeah. now, my middle name is Donahue. My mom's maiden name. Don't think I'll be going Donahue-Bone anytime soon. If, is, I, if Shaquille was a middle name, I'd probably think about Shaquille or Shaq. Mine is my mother's maiden name as well, Davis. Dave, okay, well, so we, you, you can manage that. Can go with Davis. Davis you can manage. Donahue, 4 O's. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know <laughs> how well people are going to do that. Um, okay, as far as his injury situation, Chris, it's weird. It's odd. I, I just— yeah, you know, I'm not super cynical about injuries. I'm not this person that's like, the Colts are constantly lying about injuries. Like, I'm not there. But this is just odd. It's just, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a great grasp on it. It definitely sounds like he's going to miss time. Um, when he's on the field, he's on the field, was the old Chris Ballard quote today. It's not the most ringing endorsement quote. Other guys that we can talk about injury-related, Ballard mentioned, we will be back soon. Leonard was not one of those guys. Um, you know, a name that we have probably not talked – I don't know if there's a starter on this team we've talked less about that also is in a contract year than Bobby Okereke. Yeah. Just haven't talked about it. I, last week we might have had a, a, a podcast question on it. But, Chris, I bring him up to say contract year, no Leonard potentially for multiple weeks here in camp. Wow. I mean, that guy is really needed right now and he's needed obviously for his own sake in terms of a second contract, but he's needed for this defense with Gus Bradley installing something different. Um, so we'll see about Leonard. You know, certainly last year, Chris, he defied the odds and saying, I don't need to practice a whole lot. There's times in games where I look as fast as Kevin Bowen. And yet he produced at a really, really high level. But When I did the most indispensable list last week, he was number three on that list for a reason. I believe he is an extremely, extremely important um, player for this team. So um, he said two discs were on top of two nerves, and that led to the surgery, which, again, he's hoping that the back issues, uh, that surgery will kind of subside the persistent pain he's had ankle-wise. So, yeah, it's just a little odd. It's um, it's a little odd. Yeah, definitely
1: hard to get the pulse on that one. Another nice face to see out there who will be practicing, as he said, was Kenny Moore.
0: Kenny Moore rocking indie fuel jersey, I saw and that. then he he went over to the pitch. He put on an Indy eleven jersey, did some he did, did some positional drills. Right, positional drills. Gosh, there goes our English listening audience. They're gonna be like, How "Dare you call it that?" <laughs> um. Yeah, he was juggling and, and took a PK and did a little bit of everything over there on the uh, on the Indy 11 field. Uh, for those that don't know, Indy 11 is like the triple A. Is it triple A? Uh, yeah. Sure. Minor League Soccer. Yes. And uh, they share headquarters up at Grand Park here in Indianapolis or here in Westfield, I should say, which is just north of Indy. So, yeah, Kenny Moore was uh, kicking the ball around over there. His tone was pretty similar to what we heard in the spring. Not going to get too much into it. Let my agent handle those things. Um, Ballard said that they're on the same page. And at some point, there comes a point in time where you've got to go play. And I largely agree with Ballard on that. It probably doesn't sound like the most player friendly thing to say. But, you know, Kenny got three, you know, two years left in that contract. It's just, you don't have a lot of leverage to stand on. With that. So I think Kenny still sounds a little bit frustrated, but again, I never, never felt like it's going to get deep, deep into it where you're having this huge standoff and no, right. I'm not showing up. And, you know, we're at Kenny Moore's house and he's doing push ups in the driveway. <laughs> like, you know, I just I don't see it there.
1: Well, Kenny, like you mentioned, rocking two local indie minor league jerseys. Someone else looked a little bit different, and that was Quiddy Pay.
0: Quidi Pay rocking some glasses. Yeah. And this is interesting. Um, I, All of a sudden, I, I forget how it even... Oh, I think... And this is kind of a typical opening day training camp question, and it's a question that I enjoy asking. Like, Especially guys from their first year to their second year, Chris. You do anything different body-wise this year? Was the 17-game grind different for you? Like, Was your off-season training different? I, I think it's a great question. Super relevant question. And all of a sudden, Quiddy Pay like, Yeah, I got glasses. I'm like, What? Well, okay. <laughs> Someone that wears glasses and has eye issues, I can totally respect that. So I think I have this right, but let me try to relay what, what Quiddy Pay said today. Okay. Last year, Chris, Quiddy Pay primarily lined up on the right defensive end spot, which would be opposite left tackles. So at the snap of the ball, you're in your three-point stance. If you are the right defensive end, your left eye would be looking at the football. Brian Baker, who I think we all remember, last, Brian Baker went to school, high school with him. Saw him a few weeks ago. Very good dude. Just saw he played Beth Page Black golf course. By the way, the YouTube commenters not happy that we talked a little bit of golf last week. I'm like, holy hell, it's, it's a minute or two of golf, and we've got an hour long Colts podcast, and we do it what once every couple of pods. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Anyways. I got to make sure my golf limit is 32 seconds. Keep it on the under of that. And hopefully we can save those comments. Uh, Brian Baker, Colts defensive line coach, uh, who I also went to high school with. Uh, But this Brian Baker, who was a star, really, of hard knocks, his daughters probably were the bigger star. Baker's watching film last year and is like, dude, Quiddy, you're faster coming off the ball left side than you are right side. Why do you, like, why? You know what? And lo and behold, they start sifting through it and figuring it out, and he's got an eye issue, where his left eye vision is not as good as his right eye vision. So, therefore, when he's on the right side of the line and he's looking at the ball, I don't know if the ball's blurry or what, but when that ball snapped, Quiddy is slower to process that than he would be on the left side of the defensive line opposite the right tackle. Therefore, his right eye would be looking down the line of scrimmage to the ball. I hope that's not very confusing. I think I have that right. Um, now, this year, Yannick Ngakwe is likely going to be more opposite the left tackle. So, Quiddy should already be with his good eye. He's got the vision corrected, theoretically, or he's wearing contacts, things like that. Yeah. Um, I've said this on the podcast before, Chris, about Quiddy Pay, and I have been very hesitant to say that, like, Quiddy Pay is going to make this jump. Yeah, I just, I, I haven't been there. I watched him, and I guess I should probably take a closer look at it, but when I watched him, I I, I just never really saw the athleticism. You know, I just I never really saw, like, this kind of freaky bend, and, and, you know, you look at his testing numbers, and they're like, whoa. But I never saw that to that degree last season. So now will we see it more? Do we see a guy that can anticipate better and he's quicker off the ball? Certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, but I thought oh, that was a really, really interesting.
1: How funny would it be if Rodrigo and Quiddy just exchanged goggles <laughs> every time <laughs> they
0: came off and on the field? Well, you know, you got Jalen Smith as well. Um, True, yeah. You know, for the Pacers. So, yeah, I mean, this is Rex spec time here in, uh, here in Indianapolis.
1: We mentioned some injuries earlier, um, but let's talk about five in particular that Ballard touched on. We'll start with Tyquan Lewis.
0: Yeah, so Tyquan Lewis sounds like he's getting closer again. The patellar injury, uh, Halloween last year, we all remember the play—a freak play. He picks the ball off, and all of a sudden he just gets, you know, like sniped to the ground almost, and fumbles the ball, and just a chaotic moment. His season ends, and you know when Tyquan Lewis is healthy, Chris. Hello, I mean, you know, he he he, he can give you something. So, um, anxious to see his recovery. That's a pretty serious injury. Uh, Rodney McLeod, the safety. He, in my opinion, is competing with Nick Cross for that strong safety job. He had a knee procedure. Very rare to see him miss any time. He missed some time in the spring. Um, So a knee injury there. Uh, They believe that he will be back pretty close. They said they're kind of holding him back right now. So um, there's Lewis McLeod. I mentioned Leonard earlier. These guys are all on the pup list, by the way. Physically unable to perform. They can come back at any point during camp. Has nothing to do with regular season availability and any time miss there. Uh, Mike Strawn again, the knee procedure, Chris, uh, that was off-season program. He missed some time. I think it's a big deal for him, yeah. more so than the team. I mean, certainly when you're at the wideout position and you got issues at wideout, it is important for the team, but this is a dude that needs to earn trust. He needs to earn the coaching staff's trust. He needs to show he can maybe play on special teams. Those sorts of things are important. And now, They're hoping to get him back before the end of camp. I mean, we're talking three weeks maybe. I mean, that's valuable time and golden opportunities for the Desmond Patmans of the world and, you know, Isaiah Ford, who they just signed, and those sorts of guys to make an impact. The last name would be Eric Johnson, the fifth-round pick out of Missouri. It was Missouri State. Yes. That sound right. Um, Bobby Petrino, I believe, was his college coach for a minute. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, there could be some stories there. Um, Eric Johnson is on the non-football injury list, which I've always thought was a weird way to say it. Basically, it means you get hurt when you're doing something away from the team facility. Uh, he tweaked a back on his own during the summer workouts. Uh, they don't believe he will be out very long. I did find it interesting, Chris, and, I, and I, I like to do this every year with Chris Ballard, that is, and I did it earlier today, ask him, all right, what position battles are you watching? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've got ours. What are you watching? Um, he mentioned left tackle. He mentioned safety, which we'll get to here in just a second. But he also mentioned interior defensive line and the depth behind Grover Stewart, behind DeForest Buckner. Um, we know what defensive line means to Chris Ballard. To me, it's not top of mind, but I understand, uh, you know, one injury to Buckner or Stewart, and now you're relying on some guys that aren't really household names right now.
1: Yeah. And then the last thing, as you mentioned, um, or sorry, two more things. One, the camp schedule moving the times back. Yeah,
0: yeah. They, um, want,
1: they want to get closer to how do you how do you say the name? Uh, circadian. Circadian rhythms.
0: Rhythm. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that name was not familiar. Every time I hear it, I think of the uh, little bug,
1: cicadas. Cicadas,
0: yeah. correct. Yeah, that's what I think of. So I wasn't necessarily um, going here, but. I'll tell you what, uh, when your child comes out of the womb, uh, their circadian rhythm is all messed up. <laughs> and I, I did not realize that, but, boy, that really hits you in the face. Yep. Um, so eventually uh, said child gets on a proper circadian rhythm for everyone's sake. Um, we are hoping uh, this child uh, does as well here in a few months. Uh, but basically the Colts practiced in years past early in the mornings, uh, 10, 10 a.m. You know, I I get out of the heat. Yeah, I don't really know what your rationale is behind that. But when I saw the schedule come out this year, I'm thinking to myself, boom. They got a bunch of noon practices because they know that the games are at one o'clock. So let's try to align to that. And I know that seems like kind of elementary and probably a little stupid, but Ballard was like, yeah, I talked to Rusty Jones, our head strength coach, and he's been a long time dude in the NFL. And how, how do you mimic it? I mean. The days, are, the days are over of two days. So basically how the Colts are now viewing it is morning walkthroughs, get the suns in the eyes of players, and not literally, but yeah. you know what I'm saying, wake them up, and then by noon they're ready to go. And then that mimics, I mean, your first two games, they got to be Houston-Jacksonville, got to be 1 o'clockers, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think you're 1 o'clock a lot out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, the first four, oh, I'm seeing Jacksonville's at 1 o'clock. All these Sunday games seem to be at 1 o'clock, at least early in the season. Um, so, yeah, you, you're, you're trying to mimic it. And, again, I I know that some might laugh at this. And there is an element, and Ballard did say this, there is an element of, like, let's just play better in Week 1. But when you've lost nine straight season openers, is it nine straight? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, eight straight. When you've lost eight straight, man, you know, there's got to be something more to it. Um, so we'll see. They've decided they could practice change, and basically every day is like noon to one thirty. That's pretty much every practice time. Yeah. And again, like I said, a lot of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as well.
1: Yeah. If you're not taking off to go to camp, but you're in North Cider, take a long lunch and head on out.
0: There. Yeah. Oh yeah, long lunch. Um. Yeah, they've got some great restaurants right there off State Road 32 as well. Hmm. Colt City's fun. I mean, you guys have heard me say this a million times. It is awesome. The Colts go away for training camp. I was looking at it today. The grandstands are so close as well. I mean, it's closer than a high school football yeah. game. There's no track, you know, around these practice fields to, to back you up. Uh, autographs we have talked about as well. Um, yeah, it's I I I'm a huge, huge fan of going to training camp. I understand that some people might go for a day or two and be like, all right, it's getting a little redundant. But if you've never been, come on out. Bring the kids. Fun time and – Uh, The weather, at least temperature-wise, looks pretty cool. I know we get a lot of questions from people about what happens if it rains and they go indoors. A limited number of fans. Okay. Limited number of fans there.
1: Well, uh, Kevin, will Quentin Nelson be putting his autograph on a contract at the end of this year?
0: So mum's a word on that from Chris Ballard. I I tend to think there will be um, a contract signed, just because that's typically when he likes to operate. But so far, we have not seen anything. And again, he did not want to commit to that, Chris Bauer, when he did um, meet the media earlier today.
1: All right, well, you guys can go read the more in-depth version of that at 1075thefan.com, as you all know. Another article that's out there is talking about Colts' position battles to watch at training camp. Kevin, you mentioned five of them. Or sorry, you mentioned six of them. Let's start at the top, wide receiver number two.
0: Yeah, wide receiver number two, Chris. And, I mean, hell, we could go two, three, four, five. <laughs> you know, you could go um, pretty far down the list here. But, certainly, it, it's wide open. I mean, yeah, is there Alec Pierce? You know, you, you like to think him. Uh, is Campbell, is a healthy Campbell getting the second most touches? Uh, Ashton Doolin, again, he's a name, Chris, that I know people have laughed at before. and You know, I, but does he all of a sudden become more of a mainstay on this depth chart? Uh, and I thought Ballard put it pretty well. The time is kind of now for Desmond Patman. You know, third year into it and all of that. We'll see if a veteran uh, whiteout uh, pops up. But as of now, it's Michael Pittman and a bunch of dudes.
1: Another struggling position group last year, left tackle.
0: We got two veteran versus rookie battles, in my opinion, um, lead into camp. This is the Matt Pryor versus Bernard Ryman one. And, you know, again, Matt Pryor would have laughed at you Last year, had you thought he was going to be a left tackle moving forward, but here he is. He's reshaped his body a little bit. Again, does not have much experience. I think one or two games of starting experience at left tackle in the NFL. Didn't do it at TCU. He's going to have an opportunity. Then Ryman, um, Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. Um, He looks like one of the wrestlers. I don't really follow the WWE circuit, uh, Chris, but one of the blonde dudes. um, Shave, kind of spiky a little bit. Um, I'm sure some people are like, gosh, you know nothing about wrestling. I
1: don't know anything about wrestling. Yeah.
0: So we'll see if Ryman can come in here. You know, I'm always curious, too, watching battles in the O-line. You know, where's that drop dead date of, hey, we want to get the five together. We want them to mesh. Typically around the first or second preseason game. So, you know, if you're in the Ryman family camp and you want your son to start week one, you should cheer for Matt Pryor to screw up early so your guy can get in there and and prove yourself. And then the trickle-down effect, and I guess we can move the right guard. Yes right guards up next Danny Pinter to me is the favorite Chris but you got to remember too Pinter's never played guard you know there's differences in center and guard I think at times there's oh yeah it's all the same um, I, I think there are some differences who else there does the loser of prior Ryman enter the mix with Danny Pinter and Will Fries the seventh round pick from Penn State two years ago I think is still a name to keep an eye on this is something that uh, the coaching staff likes but you know, for the first time under Frank Reich, I guess since his first camp, really, they'll be uh, looking for two new starters on their O line.
1: Talked about Kenny Moore earlier. Obviously, we added Stephon Gilmore, but still, who who's going to be the number two and number three cornerbacks?
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of this has to do with where are you at with Stephon Gilmore's playing time. You know, Kenny Moore shouldn't come off the field, in my opinion. Now, can Stephon Gilmore get back to being an 90 percent snap guy? Or is that unrealistic at age 32 and he's battled the lower body injuries that he has had for the past couple of years? So that that's kind of where I'm at, Chris. Let's say super glass half full. Stephon Gilmore, fountain of youth, plays 100% of the snaps. Okay, so then you got him and Kenny as your top two corners. Correct. So who's your third corner? Who's your nickel? And again, that nickel can be out there for you know 80% of the game. So is it Brandon Faison or is it Isaiah Rodgers? Kind of different body types, but both of them had a really good springs, eager to see that battle play out. Now, if Gilmore is limited or gets hurt, now all of a sudden, face on a Rodgers, both could be needed. So, I I like the quartet, you know, those three and Kenny Moore. Um, I probably side with Rodgers, a little bit of crush on him. I just, I, I really like how he attacks the ball. I like, uh, he just... He looks comfortable out there. Yeah. You know, he looks like he belongs in the sense of he's got a level of confidence, which I think is important at corner to play with. Um, what do you do with mosquito bites? Do you do you just um, you put your nail in Some them? Some
1: people say you put make an X with your nail. Okay. But
0: I just like to itch them.
1: So do I. Just scratch away.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got them everywhere, man, right now.
1: Okay. You, you mentioned strong safety earlier with Nick Cross. Who is he battling?
0: He's battling Roddy McLeod. And, you know, for Nick Cross right now, take advantage of these early days. Roddy McLeod is on the pup list. Doesn't sound like he's going to be on there for very long. Um, But, you know, I look at these veteran rookie battles, Chris, oftentimes is the rookie has got to go above and beyond. And so I think that's the case for Cross is, you know, you've got to make them get into those meetings late at night and say, guys, he's too good to keep off the field. You know, I think coaches are going to have a tendency to side with the vet. And Rodney McLeod has over 120 career starts. He started every game he's played in pretty right. much. Um, so that is something that um, you got to watch out for. Not seeing Julian Blackman on this list, Chris, on the pup list, I should say. I mean, it is remarkable, his recovery. Remarkable.
1: Some of these young guys, it's, it's, cra- oh, it's crazy how freakish. quick they heal. Freakish. We did offense. We did defense. Let's round it out with special teams, and you're gonna we're gonna say kicker.
0: Yeah, I forgot until I got out there yesterday, or I guess I was reminded of uh, today, not not yesterday. Hot Rod didn't miss a single kick in training camp last year. You know. Yeah. So, I I feel like the issue for me just comes down to. Very specific game settings because you know, you've been out to training camp practices, Chris. Mm-hmm. It's not full bore in these kicking drills at all. So, when you're kicking in a game and you're thinking, Oh man, they've got you know, 6 8 Calais Campbell on the other side, I got to get the ball high, kicking from 48, crowd noise, play clocks, you know. There's a lot of other factors that, and you could say there's about a lot of positions in training camp that are different than a game, but I think kicker especially, I know it might be like, well, he's perfect in camp. He should be great in the season, is different. So uh, we'll see. Him and Jake Verity um, are the two in battle there. Verity, 39 of, no, 23 of 39, I want to say. Jake Verity and his career. At East Carolina, kicking from longer than forty yards, so I don't see a huge leg there. He was behind Justin Tucker in Baltimore, so you know maybe that should lead to you, but um, should lead to something. But I I don't know how much stock I put into that. So Um, yeah, okay. Those are the position battles that I'll be watching for. All right, let's jump to Twitter questions. First one
1: comes from Adam: An extremely unfortunate event. Say Desmond Patman or Ashton Doolin were to suffer a season ending injury in camp or preseason would Chris Ballard look at signing another Kiki Kuti or similar level wideout would he look at more established free agents or would he stay with what is currently competing in the building
0: yeah Adam um I I think it's interesting that you point out Patman or Doolin suffer a season-ending injury you know you guys heard me say it early in the podcast, diversify that wideout room. Like if Campbell goes down, don't you want kind of a like-minded player, like skilled player, um, Patman and Doolin, you know, while Doolin is taller, I mean, he, he's a speed guy, uh, whereas Patman is much more of possession guy. Um, so they need to look outside the building. Uh, you know, as much as Kuti was a name when they signed him last year, everybody's kind of like, Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, that dude, he, he kills the Colts. Yeah. Uh, You know, he really didn't get off the practice squad for you last season. But um, what I want is more support for Matt Ryan. And I feel like the Colts have failed him at wide receiver and tight end this offseason. They are putting so much on the watch Matt Ryan consistently make our guys better. And do I think Matt Ryan can make some of those wide out and tight ends better? I do. Um, But it's a lot of pressure to be putting on him as well. So that is my concern. And when you look at the group out there right now, it's not a great group available. So do you get to the end of training camp, the end of the preseason, and then is that when you play the roster claim game, or do you throw a six-round pick out there for somebody? Do do the Colts have an abundance at a certain position, and they trade that guy for you know an abundance at wide receiver, tight end on, on another team? You know, All those things, I think, have to be on the table here this time of year. Kevin
1: Ron lives in Los Angeles, and he loves listening to your show in the morning. Kevin and Query,
0: thank you, Ron. Appreciate that.
1: Question for the podcast: He feels like when a new season is about to start, we always assume that some things on the team, something on the team that was good last year, will still be good this year. He's assuming our run defense is going to be stout, and it has been the last few years under Matt Eberflus. He also thinks the players um, can be good at stopping the run but it is no longer a high priority. How do you think the new cover three Gus Bradley run defense runs, pardon me, will be versus the run?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good thought, Ron. I, I probably haven't given it as much thought as I should. Um, I mean, you could probably say that for the offensive line, the 2020 season to 2021. I, I don't think that um, that group performed at the level that you were used to or expecting from them. Um, I still you know, Part of me still thinks Buckner and, and Grover will get it done. I know Yanni Kangakwe is not known as a strong run defender, so I do think that's where you play around a little bit, how healthy is Taekwondo. Can Dayo Dangbo help you out early downs out there as well? Um, you can kind of mix and match there. You know, How much is that personnel? How much is the scheme? It's a new defensive line approach, just wanting to get upfield. Up so, Ron, I, I fully understand where you're coming from with that, and I do think it'll be something to keep an eye on. I also look at the schedule, and I don't see a lot of run teams that scare me that much. I mean, especially early on. I, obviously, Derrick Henry, we'll, we'll see where he's at. But outside of that, I'm a little bit more worried about the quarterbacks than I am the, the running backs.
1: From Rodney, could the sum of the quarterback parts be greater than the whole? And consequently, Matt Ryan have a dark horse, all-pro type season. Two savvy vets sharing brains, he loves it.
0: I, I assume he's referencing Frank Reich. Yeah. the two savvy vets there, along with Matt Ryan. Um, wow, well, all, all pro Rodney. Uh, you get some really good odds on that. You know, if I'm making a list of quarterbacks to make the all pro teams coming up this season, I'm not listing Matt Ryan very high on that list. You know, it's wild when you think about those numbers, Chris. Like all pro or MVP. Andrew Luck never got an MVP vote. Andrew Luck never was an all pro. Um, doesn't, like, Russell Wilson have something along those similar lines as well? Or, like, he hasn't been at that level. Or maybe it was Phillip Rivers, you know, somebody like that, where you think of them as pretty darn good quarterbacks, and yet they're not even at that list. And I guess what I'm getting at, Rodney, is, like, to be an All-Pro, you got to put up some numbers, serious numbers. Well, if you're putting up serious numbers, that means Jonathan Taylor is not necessarily putting up those numbers. And I just assume if Taylor's healthy, he's going to put up... Pretty good numbers. To me, I look less at, like, okay, all pro and all that. Completion percentage, yards per attempt. Those two key efficiency numbers, those to me mean more. And if you watched where Carson Wentz was last season, it was not pretty at all with those numbers. And I think that is something that is really, really important to keep an eye on. And those won't be sexy enough to garner all pro, Status, but I'm watching that. I thought two kind of Ryan notes from today's media availability that stood out to me. Ballard at one point just talks about he leads, he leads, he leads. You know, I heard Zaire Franklin mention to us like, you know, Carson Wentz probably a little bit more of an introvert. Which, again, to each their own. uh, Matt Ryan, not necessarily that, which, you know, I think Zaire Franklin feels like there is a little bit more connection with the quarterback uh, than there was last season. And the thing that Naheem Hines mentioned is that ball is where it needs to be, and it's on your numbers to where you don't break stride. And that is vital, vital for an offense that I think is lacking a bit in the wide receiver tight end room. Again, you need your quarterback to create some of those chunk plays post-catch. And that is making sure that your ball placement is right on point so these guys are not breaking stride.
1: Jason says, taking into account what we've seen and or expected progression-wise, what players on this Colts team would receive your Hall of Fame votes?
0: I might be making, making another pick here coming up. Okay. All right. You guys are moving quick. I'll keep you posted here. Yeah, it looks like about halfway through. This is who I got so far. I had the sixth pick. Jamar Chase. Debo Samuel, Cam Akers, I really liked what Akers showed in the Super Bowl, Travis Etienne, I'm a little injured at running back, Hollywood Brown, TJ Hawkinson, Rashad Bateman, Chase Edmonds, and Aaron Rodgers.
1: Solid wide receiver core. You hate my running backs? I don't hate your running backs.
0: I got guys that are going to make some plays out of the backfield, right? Yeah. Do you have a flex? I hope I guess I should have Looked that up This is probably Why I'm so bad At fantasy <laughs> football If we didn't lose People after the golf talk Me rattling off My fantasy football roster People are long gone Hey at least It's football centric Long gone after that Okay Jason wants to, Give that to me again I heard Hall of Fame
1: So what we, If you take into account What we've seen Or expected progression From the Colts players That are currently On our roster Who would receive Your Hall of Fame votes
0: that, I mean Those are big words man Hall of Fame votes Um Quint Nelson, first ballot, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Um, I would say Darius Leonard. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Nelson and Leonard, probably without question. And I, is that it? You know, I,
1: I mean, technically, it, Matt Ryan. Is Matt Ryan say, a Hall of Famer? They put. The numbers that he'll have by the yeah. end of his career, yeah. I think they'll put him in.
0: You know, Gilmore, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't. Ngakwe, like Ngakwe, would need some serious longevity. You know, serious longevity. Um, same with Buckner. You know, Buckner would need that as well. I mean, if you looked at like. How many sacks after five years for Hall of Famers? Ngakwe's probably like somewhat close to being on that list in terms of tracking towards it. Yes. But Ngakwe's going to be a little bit like the Frank Gore. Never lead the league in rushing, but do you just kind of fall into finishing ninth on the all-time sack list? And, and is that enough? You know, To me, longevity matters. Ring of Honor, and thank the Lord we're not going to get into an Andrew Luck, Ring of Honor debate. Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame, the, those sorts of things. Longevity matters for me. Jonathan Taylor, two years in, right? I mean, two years in, but yeah, that's true. You extrapolate that out, he he would be there as well.
1: Yeah, and if you want to hear, uh, if you go to YouTube and you followed, um, I can't remember the name of their show, but Darius Butler and Antoine Bethel. Oh, Man to Man. Yeah, they had Yannick Ngakwe on.
0: Yeah, I heard that was a good interview. Very good. Yeah, Very yeah. Very good. Interview. I need to, uh, I need to make sure I check that out. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah.
1: From Drew, in no way am I putting the losses abo- above on Matt Ryan. Football is a complete team sport. We know that Matt Ryan is a solid NFL veteran. My concern is since Super Bowl Fifty One, the Falcons have not been the same team. After their offensive starters in like twenty nineteen or twenty twenty were first round picks, they still couldn't make the playoffs. Drew feels like Frank Reich has some hard time had had some hard time closing games and finishing them. With Matt Ryan coming from such situations, does that worry you that the Colts will struggle to finish games
0: with Matt Ryan under center? Well, this is this is interesting. Um, obviously, last year the Colts struggled in one possession games. So was it two and five? I think it was. In those games, it was such an issue. Um, they believe, and I do believe, that Matt Ryan will be better in those situations. Um, I I think it is a f- You know, I'm not going to act like I am a with what the Falcons are doing and knowing it. It doesn't seem like they overly supported Matt Ryan well, but I mean, they have not had a winning season in, I think, maybe since the Super Bowl year, very close to that. So that is a, a long time. You and to be elite, in my opinion, as a team and as a quarterback in this league. There comes points and times during games and during seasons where you've got to do stuff off script. Carson Wentz makes that play to Desmond Patman to seal the Arizona game last year, Chris. Think about that down and distance and that situation. It's a third down the red zone. If I'm not mistaken, it was like a third and seven, third and nine, something along those lines. The Colts had a one-score lead. They didn't have a touchdown lead. It was like four or five, something in that range. You field goal at there, Arizona still got a chance. You score a touchdown, the game's largely over. Yes. So those are the plays that, like, it's it's what defines parity in the NFL, where we'll look back on that game, and in the scorebook, I assume, I don't know if Arizona scored a cheap one late, but it says the Colts won by two scores. But in reality, if a stop happens there, oh, my gosh, who knows what can happen. And Carson Wentz makes a playoff script. He makes a play that Matt Ryan probably doesn't make. Now, some can sit there and easily argue, Well, Matt Ryan's going to process things better, and he doesn't need to rely on innate athletic ability or, you know, just gifted athletic traits, particularly with his legs, to scramble, take a hit, throw the ball with the proper arm strength on that money. Inevitably, in my opinion, though, there still comes a time where you've got to make those plays. And, you know, typically late in games, that's when you see a lot of those plays made. Derek Carr hanging in the pocket, taking a hit with Darius Leonard in his face, and Hunter Renfro kind of breaks off it just a little bit, and they hook up on a a huge play to win that game. Can Matt Ryan give this football team that? You hear Frank Reich say Matt Ryan will find simple better. That's a big deal, and it's important over the course of the game. Maybe you aren't in as many of those situations late in games. Uh, And maybe I'm being unrealistic with quarterback expectations, but I want everyone to know, where I always sit at quarterback, of it might not have been realistic for the Colts to try and find us this past offseason. They were backed into a corner. Uh, Did some of their actions lead to them being backed into a corner? Certainly. But when the time comes to go find the next quarterback, which we'll have the same conversation for the umpteenth offseason in a row in a few months, the goal should still be there to strive for, yes, you want a good processor. You want somebody that can help you out from an intellectual standpoint and can, you know, give you an advantage there. But can they do stuff that you don't draw up? <clears throat> that is huge. I mean, we saw San Francisco today, I think officially saying telling Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, we're moving on from you, we're going with Trey Lance. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was on the doorstep of another Super Bowl appearance. But yet San Francisco says, no, we need something more there. That needs to be still at the forefront. Again, I know that's not necessarily or was available to the Colts this past year, but is that going to be there, and will that be there in the fourth quarter of games? Can you just methodically lead down the field or go down the field and find success? Um, I'm going to be very curious to see how the Colts are in those end-of-game situations. Part of me thinks they're going to look in the huddle and have more confidence in their QB this year. But if you go a game or two into the season and you don't take advantage of those chances or opportunities, that confidence will wane in a hurry.
1: And I wonder when Matt Ryan was talking with Ballard and and Reich in the offseason about coming here, if one of his first questions was, do any of your receivers have a DraftKings account?
0: (laughs) Oh, Chris Presley. That was harsh. Hey. That was harsh. Well,
1: you know. Uh, Drew mentioned a lot of the first-round picks. When some of your first-round picks are being suspended by the NFL, it makes it also a little difficult.
0: Now, to be fair to Calvin Ridley, he did bet on the Falcons to beat the Jags. Which That's true. Know, is probably a safe that bet. That was a good bet. Uh, granted, the Colts against the Jags. Yeah, I don't know if Calvin would have gone with that one. Well, maybe it would have gone the other way.
1: All right, TM has what he considers another summer pod question. This is a fun one. He said when he was in high school to his nose tackle – had was a high effort guy which led to his coach <laughs> making the statement if i had 11 of him i would teach one of them to throw and we would take state side note we would not have side note he would have been very wrong if you had to take a colt's player to duplicate him on the field at all 22 positions who would you pick
0: oh man how great is that oh that's so true <laughs> the high effort guy and if he could throw Oh, that sounds great. Um, Well, honestly, probably the guy that just retired. You know, a bunch of Jack Doyles, a bunch of guys that work like Doyle, professional like Doyle. Um, I, you know, I think Kenny Moore falls into this boat. I mean, I know it's weird. We're talking about, I was talking to Greg Doyle today walking in the parking lot, and I said to Greg, I go, Kenny Moore is a really bad holder-outer. Yeah, he doesn't have the personality to be a good holder outer. Like
1: you, re- you want to play poker with
0: him. He's wearing an indie fuel jersey today. He's going and playing soccer with the indie eleven soccer team. Like <laughs> the minor league sports just got more attention from Kenny Moore than they'll get all season long. You know, if he really was pissed off, you know, he whatever. He's not gonna be rocking the community, and he's gonna be a little bit more outspoken about things and all of that. You know, I think Darius Leonard would be up there. I mean, the Colts do have a lot of guys that I think. I don't think there's a lot of discussion in the Colts building like, I wish said player acted like the other player. You know, I've made that reference to Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger last year. I think that applies. Kamoko Ture and Al-Kadim Muhammad from past years, I think that applies. I-, I don't see that necessarily here. I mean, hell, how about both of your young skill guys? You know, Pittman and Taylor. Naeem Hines. I mean, I, I said today, today to Matt Taylor, I go, would you rather have your daughter marry Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines?
1: That's a hard question. He's just, he looks
0: at me, he's like, dude, I, Jonathan Taylor would be asking me so many questions about just like, do you care if your daughter and I, you know, <laughs> can we do this and can we go out to eat here and can we, um, you know, all I, I can just see it right now. Um, So, again, I don't think this is like that big of an issue. For the Colts, Braden Smith. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of some other names that kind of pop. I mean, Quentin. I mean, probably a little bit more outspoken than Quentin. Uh But yeah, that's a that's a good question.
1: I went out on a limb and said Woods, who's not even played a snap in the NFL yet. Jelani Woods. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Just based off size
0: and yeah, posi- I mean he, positions. He's yeah, if played. you want to look at it, I guess I don't know. Maybe I totally misread the the question. If you want to go off just purely like who has the best athletic traits. You, I mean, Darius Leonard, EJ Speed, and Michael Pittman. Those would probably be the three I'd come to. Jelani Woods would be on that list. But I think Michael Pittman could play a lot of positions pretty well in the league.
1: All right, some more fun ones. This one from Sam. Sam asked a lot, so Sam, we're going to break them down to probably just three or four. We might save some for future podcast. First one, Matt Ryan passing yards, 3,900. You oh, have these over, are over-unders? Over-under.
0: Okay, how many, how many are we doing?
1: We're going to do four. Kay. Matt Ryan, passing yards, 3,900. Hair under. Okay.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know if I feel overly confident, but yeah.
1: Naheem Hines, scrimmage yards, 750.
0: Let's go over. Let's go
1: 800. Yannick Ngakwe, nine and a half sacks. Over and then let's round it out with well I was going to say Darius Leonard's game miss but we're going to we're going to stay off that one. Jonathan Taylor Jonathan over Darius under Leonard 15
0: miss is kind of da- yeah that's oof. Okay. okay uh Jonathan Taylor
1: what rushing touchdowns fifteen and a half.
0: Uh, I'm going to go under. rushing touchdowns can get weird, you know. I, I just yeah that's one that I don't feel totally confident in or at least hammering the over there. Okay. on that one. Those are good, though. We we should save a few more of those.
1: Three more. This one's from Trevor. Where would you rank the Colts in terms of AFC power rankings?
0: Wow. That's a good one. Um, Gosh, I I just think it's such a loaded conference, Chris. I do. I I, I think it's it's the most depth that I've seen it in quite some time. Um, Where would I rank the Colts? Well, let's start here. The teams that I would rank above the Colts for sure – I'd rank Buffalo. I, I still believe I know a lot of people are like Cincinnati will take a step back. I'm gonna go with Cincinnati as well. Uh Kansas City. I really like the Raiders. Okay. Do do you know?
1: I'm just looking at I just looked at, I'm looking at an article. They have the Raiders at nine, but
0: overall in the entire league?
1: No, AFC. They have the Colts eight. I like I, I I have the Colts sliding a little further back as well.
0: I, I, I like the Raiders a lot. Um, okay, I would go if I'm making AFC power rankings. I'd rank the entire AFC West above the Colts. I'll go with uh, who else did I say Buffalo? Yep. And Cincinnati, Baltimore. I'm kind of torn on. I'll stop there. So what's that? Sixth uh, set that would place the Colts at seventh. Okay. Yeah, teetering right there. But, again, Chris, like, I'm probably more of a tier. You know, when you really start to separate, you know, this team is two and this team is four, you're like, wow, you think that team's two slots better? For me, it's a lot of tiers. And I just look at 16 teams in the AFC right now, and, Chris, you could convince me that 13 of them can make the playoffs. 13 of them. The only three I wouldn't feel confident about is Houston, Jacksonville, and. Zach Taylor's mom. <laughs> Zach Wilson's mom. That would have sounded better if I wouldn't have screwed it up. That's fine. Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach. I believe so, yeah. Shout out to Mrs. Taylor. And Mrs. Wilson.
1: And Mrs. Wilson. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers, Mrs. Wilson.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I just Chris, I like doesn't Pittsburgh always show up?
1: Pittsburgh, New England.
0: What did Pittsburgh Baltimore. get out of their quarterback last year? Nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah, he couldn't throw the ball from me to you. So I mean, now they got—I—I I don't know. Can he Pickett. It? it was are his hands big enough, you know? Like, yeah, you, know, you feel. And how long's Watson gonna be suspended for? You look at the skill group around Tua. And again, I felt like Miami. Granted, it's a coaching change, but I mean, I felt like they were kind of always knocking on the door. Nine, ten wins, you know, things like that. So, man, the AFC. It's a juggernaut right now. Stacked. It's exciting.
1: Yeah. Jeremy wants to know how many yards and touchdowns does Matt Ryan need to throw and how how many rushing yards for Taylor to have for the Colts to make the playoffs. He's thinking 4,200 yards for Matt Ryan with 38 touchdowns. And for Jonathan Taylor, he will need to have 1,700 yards rushing.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you put up those numbers, you will certainly be – in the playoffs, I'd probably dial those back a little bit, you know. I mean, last year you were almost in the playoffs and Taylor had what, eighteen hundred yards rushing and your quarterback yes. was what twenty seven touchdowns and thirty eight hundred yards. I I don't even know how many yards Wentz ended up with, but um so yeah, Jeremy, that you can dial those back a little bit. Particularly the the passing numbers. Right. Um, certainly. All right,
1: last one comes from Dara. Hey Kevin, hope you and Chris are keeping well and I hope Dara, good to hear from
0: you. And this uh, is our Irish lad, yep. right?
1: And here we go. I hope the golf game is in good shape.
0: <laughs> Thing we saved this for the end.
1: <laughs> I have a question if you want to, if you had to rank one through five, who are the nicest people to deal with in the Colts and I'll say organization, because I believed that's how the Irish say it. <laughs> Who are you picking? And it could be player, staff, security guy, oh, at the gate, concession stand. I Oh, it would
0: be Doug, the mail guy. I don't I don't. Oh, this is a tough one. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of great individuals in that organization. I I, I don't think a lot of our listeners want me to name like, well, you know, this guy in marketing, I, Joe Fonderoli in marketing is a really good dude. I, I assume they're referencing players and coaches here. Um, or I think that's what probably people would want to hear. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I've said this to anybody who asked me, I mean, Frank Reich is one of the nicest human beings I've ever come across, ever come across. Um, Chris Ballard, I think is extremely, um, nice, particularly for a person in his position. Um, I think he's gets it and yeah, I I mean, Boward and Reich are. Extremely easy to work with and all of that. Um, say same way. You know, it's not like you've got super one-on-one access with them, but you know, in the times that I've been behind the scenes with them, or you know, no cameras around, I've, I've seen just great. Th- the philanthropic side that I think we do know is is with Jim Ursay is is very true. Um, players, boy, I, I mean, I said it earlier. Taylor Hines, I mean, great. Buckner seems like a really good dude. Blackman seems like a really good dude. Ryan Kelly seems like a dude you love to have a beer with. Um, who else? Matt Ryan. Again, brief interactions. Him and Nick Foles seem like they're pretty good as well to deal with. So yeah, I um
1: Yeah, I feel like this team is the complete opposite of the Bengals from, you know, 5, 6 years ago
0: yeah a lot of rest if i remember correctly yeah there. just
1: everyone in the organization just yeah i, I don't get to talk to him as personally as you do but i don't see anyone that seems to have an issue with coming on any of the shows or taking you know media availability
0: yeah i would agree with that i would agree with that so um yeah i, I have to go That it's a fun question and again if if i get people that only care about wins and losses. Others might care a little bit more about these sorts of questions. Um, I think the Colts are a nice, friendly bunch.
1: All right. Does that that wrap it up?
0: That wraps it up. Good one to end on there. Again, training camp coverage, 107.5thefan.com is going to be your place. We'll have written content, a whole lot of it. So highly, highly encourage people to head over there and hopefully – You'll find great content there, written-wise, and then we'll have some YouTube videos as well from camp. And, you know, podcasts will be a little bit more routine than we have. Nothing super, super routine, but yeah, we'll definitely have some more as we make our way through camp. Uh, Anything I'm forgetting, Chris?
1: No, and just also follow you on Twitter, because you post a lot of really good uh, content while you're out there. Obviously, like you said, the YouTube and the articles, but... Just if people want to see photos and the atmosphere and seeing some clips right away in almost real time, that's a good follow.
0: Yeah, and I would also, not to like, let's plug everything that Kevin Bowen is a part of, uh, my Instagram page as well. I typically post some highlights to my story there throughout camp. So, K Bowen 1070 on the gram, I think is how the younger generation <laughs> says it. So, uh, check that out as well. He's Chris Pressey. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. If you're going up to Grand Park, hopefully the weather cooperates. Enjoy your time up there. And uh, we'll talk to you maybe on Monday uh, on another edition of Kevin's Corner. See ya. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.